find my place. Well, uh, Pastor Demlow asked me if I would uh, teach Sunday school, and of course I was very reluctant to do it because if you haven't done it, you don't really feel qualified to do it. And uh, last uh, Wednesday we were singing, um, He is Faithful. And uh, I was singing about when I first came here, I was sitting kind of where uh, Brother Gerth is sitting. And I remember sitting there and be sweating the alcohol that I was drinking the night before. And I really didn't know a whole lot about God or never really heard the gospel. And uh, they would say, uh, turn to 1 John, 2 John, and I'd go to the Gospel of John and be completely lost. I didn't even know there was 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And I, I didn't really know anything. And uh, just sitting there under the preaching of the Word of God, and uh, that's when I came to know the Lord, and now I'm up here. Uh, God's faithful. He's going to finish his work in you, that he's going to start it by hook or by crook. You know, kicking and screaming, but God's going to take you there. Just better just to say, all right, Lord, you're going to have to do this. Um, I wrote, he gave me a, a, a lesson on uh, Zacharias, just like one page, just to, well, I had to fill in everything else and make something of it and uh, just prayed that the Lord would would do that. I'm not sure how to not just read it off the page. I don't know how they figure the timing and everything. But this is what the Lord gave it to me and it's it's about Zachar Zacharias and uh, how he was saved and his testimony. Uh, When the saved saint or the lost sees someone come to know the Lord, that is our miracle of God. In a moment of time, that soul was sealed unto Christ forever. What you do not always see is the events in that person's life that brought them to the cross. Each one of us that is saved has a personal testimony of how we came to know the truth and then surrender our will unto the Lord. What we will see, the saved and the lost, is a great change in the newly saved person's life. Those that played church put on a good appearance of being a good person. The drug addict, the drunkard, the worldly person, the crazy out of control lunatic, which some of us were. A life that becomes under the control of the Holy Spirit of God, you will see a great change in that person's life. This should be a challenge and a blessing to both the saint and the lost person. To the lost person watching the change must make them ponder what just happened to this person. Uh, this always opens the door for the Holy Spirit to work in the lives of people in this person's circle of influence. We all have a, a circle of influence and when somebody gets changed by God, it's apparent. And uh, it's always a challenge for 
the saint of God, to see somebody. I remember seeing Daniel saved and uh, as uh, by, it's been 10 years now since I've been saved. It's hard to imagine. But we have uh, Bible studies, or not Bible studies, but prayer meetings at Brother Gerson. Listening to him pray and seeing his growth. And sometimes he's like on fire. I can see it for the Lord. And I've waned off and it's a challenge to me that I should, uh, you know, redirect my own thoughts towards the Lord and being serving the Lord and not just get into a routine. Um, let's go to uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 10. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he had made haste and came down and received him joyfully. When they that saw it, they all murmured, saying, that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give unto the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, accusation I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day salvation to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. So you see, Zacchaeus was curious about the Lord. He wanted to know more. The Lord came to his house and uh, gave him the gospel, saved his soul, and it changed him. Um, this is a real account of a lost man that was saved. It shows what real salvation produces in the life of a person that was lost and is now saved. It is a very powerful tool the Lord uses to bring others to the cross. This account of Zacchaeus being converted to Christ, we can see what real repentance looks like in the life of the truly converted person. Zacchaeus was wealthy, no doubt. He could purchase all the finest goods and services of the day. Yet of all the temporal things he, he had, all of them left him wanting. Something was missing. Something was still wrong. What he was missing was in his soul deep down inside him. Having peace with God as creator, the fear of death constantly hanging over him. All those that are lost know deep down something is very wrong inside them. If you're lost here today, the Lord is always working on you. He's telling you there's something wrong. You know it, I know it. You better deal with it. And uh, the Lord is gracious, long-suffering. He was with me, and I thank God for that. <sighs> Let's see, whether they admit it or not, the Holy Spirit of God is at work on the hearts of those that are lost, 
Christ makes this wrong right, which results in peace for the troubled soul. There is another account of a man that had great wealth and religion. We can read that about uh, read about about in uh, Luke chapter eighteen verses eighteen through twenty six. Um, and a certain ruler asked him, saying, "Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life?" And Jesus said unto him. Why tallest thou me good? None is good save one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not commit. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these things I have kept from my youth up. Now Jesus heard these things, and he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing. Sell all that thou hast, distribute it unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And Jesus said, or Jesus saw that Jesus went, and when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle's eye than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The rich young ruler had wealth and self-righteousness. Uh, the view of himself, he thought he was righteous. He knew also he was troubled. Deep down he knew something was very wrong in his soul. A feeling of doom, no peace in his soul, a fear of death. This is just how the lost live. I believe that he went to Jesus for absolution. He wanted Jesus to tell him, you're good to go. You're good to go, don't worry about it, you're good. <clears throat> Jesus, the righteous judge of all creation, pointed out instead his lost condition. The Lord did not leave him off, though. The Lord put his finger on the issues in his life which kept him from salvation. The Lord pointed out only God is good, we're not. The Lord showed him his sin. The Lord offered him salvation and said, come follow me. Imagine that. The God of heaven himself said, come follow me, come with me. He could have been maybe a disciple. <sighs> what a tragic decision. He went away sorrowful, yet still in his sins. And he would not surrender that thing which he was holding on to. He just wouldn't let go of it. Sometimes there's something in our life before salvation we won't let go of. It can be anything, worldly pleasure, alcohol, drugs, sex, anything that the world offers, the flesh, that we won't let go of. Um, God says, my way, and only my way, just shows the heart of humble, saying, uh, you're going to have to do this, because uh, in my life that's the way it was. Alcohol, I could not let go of it. 
I wanted to, but I didn't because I liked it, but I hated it. It was just a miserable situation. And I knew I couldn't do it. So when I surrendered, I said, God, you're gonna have to do this. And he, he did. He's, a, he's always faithful. And uh, just uh, blows me away sometimes, the goodness of God. Yeah, the response of Zacchaeus and the response of the rich young ruler. Each man met a very different fate for their internal destinations. Each one right now experiencing the results of the choice they made while they had their opportunity to choose. When we're alive, God gives us free will. We have uh, the opportunity to say yes or say no, to surrender or not to surrender, hoping that we have another day. We don't always get the other day. You look at the obituaries, you look at the news, people are gone out of this world. They never think that today's my last day. We don't get to make that choice when we're born or uh, when we go out of this world most times. Zacchaeus is forever with the Lord in paradise and the rich young ruler in hell's fire suffering with no way out, no second chance to choose. Once it's over, it's, there's, no, there's no coming back. There's no perdition. There's no, there's no way out. It's finished. And you're going to know your whole time that you knew. You had opportunity. How tragic. It comes down to a heart issue. The godless religion will not offer what the humans crave in the core of their very soul, nor will all the finest goods and pleasures this world can offer. What we all want is peace with God, joy, contentment, the fear of death and judgment to be removed. What we need is hope, the confident expectation which is only found in Christ Jesus and his finished work. To receive this hope, this salvation, it requires faith in God, his only begotten son, which shed his sinless blood on that old rugged cross of Calvary for your sin and mine and the whole world's. When you really come to understand that to be true, it will drive you to repentance. You will have a desire to be converted changed in how you see the world, how you see yourself, how you see God, how you see God's written word. God's word will become real to you. There will be a desire to be obedient to God's commandments. This desire will grow in your heart as he uh, just grows you in, in the Lord. And uh, you can see that in, in people as they grow. And uh, I never thought I would be up here. Um, if any, you guys get anything out of this, it's, it's of the Lord. Uh, I knew this would be quick, so I had to write something extra. This is just personal. 
Uh, after you are saved, you begin to learn God's word and feel the personal responsibility to share the gospel with the lost. Let's go to uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Did I write that down right? All right. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of grace of God. Now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take to you record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. God requires you, saint of God, to be used by him as a tool blood on our hands, it appears that if we fail to reach out to those we know we need, to reach out to those that we know need Christ with the gospel, we will be held accountable. The Lord has burdened my heart for my ex-wife and her son and daughter. And uh, so I wrote a letter to each one of them I was not sure what to say or even how to say it or what do they need to hear? What do they need to know before leaving this world and burden me? If not me, who's responsible to tell them? The Lord told me, thou art the one. I will use you. So, Let's see, uh, it's, it's way out of my comfort zone. I mean, I, we still speak, you know, that's long time, a lot of water under the bridge. Uh, but it's out of my comfort zone, but it's in my lane. Who is in your lane that you're responsible for? The family members you know are lost the acquaintances you talk to that are lost. It's your responsibility to tell them. It's the word of God says. We're going to be accountable one day. And uh, I don't know what... Uh, I wrote him a long letter and it's full of the gospel of what I thought they need to know. Um, the Bible's big, there's a lot into it, but there's certain things we need to know before we live this world. Somebody needs to tell them. How much time do I have, brother? Oh, well then, I might as well, I could read the letter that I wrote to them. And uh, I have taken 
pen in hand to apologize for who I was when I knew you before. I was not the husband or the stepfather I should have been. That's my fault. It's all on me. I was just a selfish drunk, lost and undone to God. I failed you, and for that I'm sorry. I cannot go back and redo things, but I learned four things that changed my life. One, there's only one God which created all things. That one God wrote only one book which is true and faithful. Three, we as created people by that one God are not good. We can do good things, but only God is good. For without God, we are without hope. We are guilty of God's, breaking God's laws, which are right in all ways. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three, but are ye, but are each yet one. Jesus, who was man, yet he was God. These are the things I know to be true. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, created to make something out of nothing. Think about that. John chapter 1, verse 3, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Made by him, that's everything. Space, time, matter. Without him, there's nothing. The Bible is God's word of revelation to all mankind. His word reveals to mankind who he is and who we are. It explains life and our purpose for existing. John chapter one, verse one and two. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, the word. The word is in all capital letters. This is because the word is God, is Jesus Christ. John chapter one, verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and was behold his glory, the glory of as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Again, showing us the word is Jesus Christ. The word of God is Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth that walked around in flesh was the Word and God. It's uh, hard to wrap your head around. The Old King James Bible is 100% true without error. I know this to be true. It was written by God himself, but penned or written down by the hands of men, chose by divine appointment. This means God handpicked men by God himself inspired to write the Word of God down on parchment and transcripts for men to read. Man is judged by God's Word. Man has no right to make any judgments on God or His Word. We have been created and given life by God, so we belong to Him. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. And from that a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness. And righteousness is just 
that which is right. Everything is right. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Knowing this first, thou hast no prophecy of scripture that is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy, the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The word moved is to be driven with a force outside themselves. That's how it was inspired by God for man to, for man to be inspired by God. He was moved, pushed. It didn't come with his own thoughts. Holy men, that is uh, holy is set apart from others. Handpicked men, men of God. God chose them to write it down. Many people say, oh, it was written by men. It's probably full of mistakes. Men wrote that. They made it all up. That's, that's not true. When you understand that, it changes everything. Private interpretation. No man gets to of himself to choose a scripture's meaning for his own convenience. To choose what suits him or lines up with how he sees it. Man must line up with God's word. God does not and is not concerned how we feel about it. God knows what is best for mankind. He loves us and has our best interest in mind. That's why there's so much, so many denominations and so many different religions and books and thought processes and doctrine is all, all messed up and all over the place. Because uncomfortable things, things that are in the Word of God that don't line up with how we feel will manipulate it, change it, outright turn God's truth into a lie to uh, line up with our lifestyle. God will have none of that. God won't share His glory with any man. And uh, our sin is breaking God's law. It separated us from a relationship with Him. Now being clearly told this, you are without excuse not to repent and believe His word. This will bring eternal judgment and damnation for your sin debt you owe to God if you don't let Jesus Christ deal with it from His perfect work on the cross. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Hold simply means to suppress the truth, to hold it down, to reject the truth of God's word. Uh, verse 19, because that which may be known of God is made manifest in them, which is you, every person, for God has showed it unto them, unto you. God showed it to you. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead. So they, you, are without excuse. Acts chapter 17, verses 30 and 31. 
In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man. It says that man. That man is Jesus Christ. God the Father has appointed him to judge the world. That's every person ever born. He will judge the sin of each person. Everything you've ever done, everything you've ever thought has come and written in a book. Written down. Kept track of. And one day we're going to stand before God and give an account of that. For the loss, that should be terrifying if they have any understanding at all. Uh, Seth Richards, when he was here from Germany, he... Uh, he gave a message on uh, Bema seat and the great, great white throne. Terrifying for those that are lost, going to stand before the great, great white throne. Says the, the great, the small, and the great. It's uh, the most powerful, the rich, the famous, the nobodies, the good looking, the ugly. Every human being is going to stand before him undone. And they're going to open those books and be charged with everything they've ever done and sentenced and punished forever. That's what the Word of God says. The beam of seat is for the saved, being uh, judged for service to the Lord, whether it be found uh, for Him or for our own vainglory, and that we might have something to offer Him. For once we know that and what God has done and what He saved us from, and yeah, He's going to wipe away a lot of tears. It's just really something uh, to think about. Um, Second Thessalonians uh, chapter one, verse seven and eight, when the George. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. The good news. The gospel means good news. And it is that God is willing that none should perish. Salvation is to all that will come to him and repent. Repentance is to agree with God about his word, the Bible being the truth, to turn from your sinful ways, to trust in the finished work Jesus Christ did on the cross to pay for your sins and my sins on Calvary. The just for the unjust. Jesus Christ paid it, paid it in full. God is good. He is just and fair. If you want to get to understand who God is, begin by reading the Psalms in the Bible. It's all about God. They say there's a scarlet thread through the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelations, and that's Christ. Everything is about him. Uh, Psalms 145, verse 8 and 9. 
the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, full of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion, in gracious long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. The Old Testament in Exodus chapter 34, verse 7, is a really good one. It's read a lot. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgressions, and sins, and that will by no means clear the guilty. This statement shows us that we are all still guilty of all of our sin and our transgressions uh, that we have committed. But those that repent and seek forgiveness from Jesus Christ will not have to pay for our sin debt. Jesus Christ died on the cruel death on the cross, shed his sinless blood to pay for our sins. Again, the just for the unjust. So it says we're still guilty. Even though we might be saved, we're still guilty of all that. We have a debt. God's paid it. But if you're lost, you owe that. It's on you. It's always a, I always get this vision of uh, me in a courtroom. Uh, when I was a lost drunk, driving around drunk all the time, living crazy, could have killed somebody. By the grace of God, I'm here. I didn't, that didn't happen. But I was thinking about me in a courtroom. You know, I'm going to be sentenced for something. And the punishment's going to be horrendous. And Jesus walks in said, I paid it. Just like in this life we have now, we do not get a redo. When we die our last breath and go into eternity, we will not get a redo. No more chances to change our mind about Jesus Christ. We get only one shot at the salvation. The Lord says, seek the Lord while he may be found. And I just wrote, I hope this letter finds you well. So that's in, um, the Lord laid on my heart to write that. And uh, it's mostly the Word of God. That's what they need to hear. And I just pray the Holy Spirit will uh, move on their hearts. You know, Just uh, thankful to the Lord for all he's done in my life, for the mentors he's given me, for the church that I'm in. It's pretty amazing. But really that's all I, that, I, that I have and I'm short, so I guess you guys are gonna get some goof off time, but I urge you to think about those in your life that you know of, family members, aunts, uncles, cousins, brothers, work members, 
when you see them, when you talk to them. It's your job to give them the gospel. It's not comfortable, it's not easy. But they need to hear it. Who else is going to tell them? Who's going to stand in the gap? Can you think of anybody? Well, maybe such and such will tell them. You know, everybody knows uh, Jesus. Everybody's heard in this America, pretty much. But they've never really heard the gospel. I've heard, I heard preaching when I was young and all the way up till I wasn't saved till I was 42. Uh, but I never heard the gospel till I sat in that chair. Changed my life forever. And now I'm in that chair and I'm not moved. Thank you.